All right, we're in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We have been looking at the topic of Paul and prayer, and so I have a series of messages and uh, just basically looking at the prayer requests of Paul and uh, he, in many instances in his writings as far as his epistles. And I think last time we were in the book of Colossians and we're jumping now to 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And our text tonight is from verses 7 to 13. We're going to focus in on the last uh, verses 10 to 13. But we'll begin here in verse 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It says, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fa- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Father, we do thank you for this text here, and we thank you for Paul's uh, life of prayer, and Lord, help us to learn from that, and certainly model our, our life on the Lord Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray, and was that model prayer warrior. And we ask even tonight, Lord, you'd teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You could title this Praying to Perfection. Now, that sounds really uh, like uh, quite a goal, right? And, uh, but if you think about it, the life of the believer, in, and one of the pillars of the walk we have with the Lord, one of the things that we are really, you know, it's a huge area of our walk, is our prayer life. And I think there's many things that come through prayer. And Paul talks about some of these in those uh, verses as we look down through them. Uh, There's an aspect of a completion or a perfecting of our faith through prayer. And that's a process. That isn't an instantaneous thing. I mean, I wish it was. The the day I got saved and I prayed the sort of the sinner's prayer, it wasn't that someone taught me what to pray. I just knew I was a sinner and I called out to the Lord to save me. and, And he did. Uh, I would have been great after that first prayer that I just was then perfectly holy in my walk and never had to deal with any sin in my life, right? Uh, But that's not the case. But through prayer, there's a lot of things that happen that draw us closer to the Lord. As you get closer to the Lord, uh, there's a completing process. And if you're a person of prayer and a habit of prayer in your life, one of these days, either through rapture or through death or, or whatever death being most likely uh, in, in the majority of people so far, right? Uh, you, you'll, when you die, you're just going to go into the presence of God and the, and the prayer life won't be the same anymore. Our prayers and art will be directed in praise and glory given to God from there on out. But it'll be just one step to the next and then things will be perfect. So I hope that's your goal, that you're praying to perfection in that. Prayer is an ever-important aspect of the Christian life, and I, I like on Wednesday night as we gather to focus in sometimes on that aspect of it. I know we gather here every week. Many of you have been praying to the Lord now as believers uh, for decades, but I think there's always things we can learn. And there's also um, 
many things that will come out of that. I think of Corey Ten Boone. She comes up in my illustrations a lot just because I've read a lot about her life and one of those people that impacted me and her testimony. But uh, really, the Ten Boone family, and I've mentioned this before, uh, they began praying, actually, the family, a hundred years before the events that took place there with uh, the Nazi occupation and that eventually caused them to be hiding Jews in their hiding place. Uh, and about a hundred years of prayer that had gone into that. And they were praying, specifically meeting at the time, uh, back in the 1840s, praying that God would uh, deliver the Jews and would bring them into their land. They were praying before there was a land called Israel again, you know. And again, that would come out of the events, the tragic events of World War II, and would propel a nation back into its land. And today we're, we're getting ready. Uh, the, Israel's celebrating their 70th year as a nation again. And so a big event. But all those took place. But I like what Corey Ten Boom talks about prayer. She said this, When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops reading the Bible, the devil laughs. When he stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. And, and that is, in many ways, you know, you see the, the way that works. See, there's something very powerful, and we battle on our knees or in our attitude of prayer, so to speak. And it's the weapon of the believer, right? I mean, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that. To be praying and the sword of the Spirit, right? We have the Word of God. Uh, but we pray through the Holy Spirit to the Lord, right? In Jesus' name. Uh, and when I think of that, there is power in that. And someday we're just going to take the next step, I hope. And we won't be here at a prayer meeting on earth, but we'll be in a big praise session in heaven. That's going to be a great time. I think of men like Daniel. And remember Daniel nearing the end of his life. And then the edict goes out to, uh, that he can't pray, or basically that's what the, the edict was, but Daniel just went back and began to pray again, right? Bowing down, praying towards Jerusalem, showing that he had a heart of faith that someday, just as God had promised, his people would be back in Jerusalem. And he did what he always had done. He'd been praying. And you know, God used Daniel, and I'm sure right up to the day of his death, that was his attitude, and Next one is with the Lord, face to face. And I, I think that's really what it is like with the believer. Well, I want to move on here and look at, um, uh, look at verse 10. And see if I can find it here first. First um, Thessalonians, yeah. First Thessalonians 3.10. And Paul writes this, and, and pictures this, I guess to set it a little bit better. You remember, Paul was in Thessalonica, the city of Thessalonica, for three Sabbaths, okay? About a month he was there, and, he, and a church starts. You can read of that in Acts chapter 17. And God used that little fledgling church, all right, uh, which started out of the ministry in the synagogue, and the teaching associated with it to start a church. But that was great persecution. Remember, Paul got driven out of Thessalonica, ends up going... Um, along his way, gets to Corinth. And actually, it's from Corinth that he writes the first letter back to the Thessalonians. And 
Uh, Paul was there in Corinth for 18 months, so he had a little more time to, to sit down and catch up on the, the emails or everything else, right? And uh, it wasn't by email, but you know what I mean. He was doing that. And so he does that. And also we know from this letter that he sent Timothy back to help establish the church. And I can't imagine planting a church and three weeks later uh, you have to leave or four weeks later, somewhere in there. And that's it. But yet we know that through this letter, as Paul reminds him of the doctrines he taught, there were very strong, like lots of strong doctrines, everything from, you know, the nature of God, the Trinity, all that was, was already taught. And mind you, they were grounded Jews, many of them that had been saved, but there was also a Gentile group that was there as well. But they faced persecution afterwards. We know that because when Paul writes the first and second Thessalonians, he writes in correcting some of their their prophetic or eschatological views um, they thought maybe they were in the day of the lord okay why would they think that because they were suffering and persecution was upon them and becoming a christian had not made life easier and so they thought we must be in what we call the day of the lord or the judgment period the tribulation period paul writes to correct some of that and then he follows up with a second letter as well to even expound more on what those times will be like future from when Paul wrote it. Um, but I want to look at this because he says, and this is just very simple things about prayer. He says, praying, all right, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. When Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica, Again, just like when he was praying for the church at Corinth and Ephesus and other places and and Colossae, he was praying that they would be more completed in their walk or in their faith. Um, He didn't pray for material prosperity. He didn't pray for their safety. Now, I don't think that's improper to pray that the Lord deliver us from evil. He told us to that, right? Or to pray in, in regards to our safety. But he does pray for their faith and perfecting or the completion of what is lacking in your faith. The word means to fill, like fill something or to fill holes. I think of it that way. Uh, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I shoveled a roof for somebody during the winter. It was in his camp. And uh, at the end of that, he paid me. He gave me an old snowmobile, all right, that was older than I was. And I got it running and I, I ran that. But before he gave me that, he gave me an old sailboat. And this thing looked like a bathtub. It was uh, just a uh, fiberglass shell, and it had, uh, you know, it had foam inside of it, so it wouldn't sink. And basically, that, and had an old sail that I found. And and I got that thing out on Saint Freud Lake, and I thought I was uh, the captain of the greatest ship in the world, you know, going out there and playing with that. But the thing leaked, all right, and it had problems, and I had to take it out of the water many times and fix the fiberglass and do all kinds of things. But sometimes you don't see those, those defects until you get it underway. And I'm glad that the Lord doesn't have, like, we're a, we're a work in progress, okay? And there's lots of holes to fill. And I have found that as I go to prayer and as people pray for me, and as I pray with other people, and as we study the Word of God, we see the holes that need to be filled up. And that's exactly what Paul is emphasizing here, that your faith might be completed, that it, it might be fixed, okay? You can think of it that way. That implies they weren't a finished progress, a project, uh, yeah, project. And it also tells us this, that um, I think as Paul writes that, 
uh, nowhere in Scripture do you find uh, the uh, emphasis that the, the sin nature here and the problems associated with this life will ever be perfect, okay? The word here, again, perfected means to complete. And we can. He says, what is lacking in your faith? And that also means that, guess what? Christians have areas in their faith that lack. There are people that come along sometimes and they say, you know, I, I walk with the Lord. I don't sin anymore. I, you know, they believe in sinless perfection and those kind of things. And I think that's crazy. All right. I think they lie to themselves. That's what the Bible says, right, in First John. Um, and you've got to be careful with that. But a faith without holes, if you want to point to that, that's what Paul was praying for. A faith without holes. And I think it's important, again, to, to pray for the everyday things and the people around us and pray for material needs and those kind of things. But when's the last time you prayed that God would help fill some of the holes in your life, in your faith life? When I asked that question to myself as I was studying this message, I thought, hmm, it's been a while. I, I haven't really directly prayed that. But the Lord shows me things, but maybe I need to do that more. And some of you are going, yeah, you do, right? But that's the case, right? Prayer is practical, and the practice of prayer uh, leads us, again, to those, uh, those areas where God shows us things. I put down a couple references. I have Galatians here, and I was looking at, um, uh, well, talking about this uh, perfecting what is lacking in your faith. It means to also supply uh, or to equip and there are several instances where the word appears in Scripture. Um, not there, but in Galatians 6 1. Here it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. Here's the word restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness or meekness in the authorized version, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. And uh, number one, I love that verse because. Uh, too often when we see sin in our midst, we run right out at it and say, hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't do that. And then, you know what? If we're not careful, we're doing the same thing. It's easy. So Paul warns here, <laughs> if a man is overtaken, somebody is overtaken in a, in a sin, a fault, then number one, you better be spiritual if you're going to go and restore him. And the word to restore means to set in order. And it means it, here in this case, it also uses the analogy of, of setting a bone in place um, or putting a joint back in place. I remember a few years ago, I was at a basketball game and a young guy went up to do a layup and he came down wrong on his knee and his knee popped out of joint. Not, not pretty. And he was just yelling in pain and he, he dragged himself off the court and Thankfully, we had somebody there that knew what was going on and went right over there and uh, kind of, you know, I was kind of trying to give him a little bit of traction on his leg to help the pain a little bit. And this guy came over there and he says, oh, that happens to me. And he went like this. He popped that right back in. And he was like, oh, thank you, you know. And I'll tell you, when you look at that, that's, that's kind of the, the analogy that Paul's using here in Galatians where he's saying, you know, go and restore somebody. It's going to hurt for a bit, but in the end, you'll be better for it, right? But be careful in doing so. And it's in the spirit of gentleness. That's how you need to be gentle with hurt people, right? When sin has wounded them and, and to do that. And considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So be careful in those things. Setting a broken bone. Ephesians 4.12 
For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, they're talking about gifts here, but that's why we are equipped, okay? That's part of the perfecting process of using our gifts and to use, um, as Paul prays for that in Ephesians chapter 4 in that area. And again, in the book of Ephesians, many times he uses that um, about equipping and then ends the chapter or the, the book with Ephesians 6 talking about the warfare of the believer and the armor that we have, praying that armor on, right, and doing that. First Thessalonians, uh, back to that, 3, and now verses 12 to 13, the end here, it says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So not only there needs to be a perfecting of our faith, but there needs to be a love without limits. That's really what he says. That, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. The word abound means to overflow. That's why I say it's without limits. You know, if you fill up a, a bucket with water and keep the water running and it just continues to overflow, right? Well, that's the love of Christ and the way it works. His love never ends. It's infinite. And channeled through the believer it should also be infinite all right doesn't always work out that way because we get in the way sometimes we say no more that person's not worth loving or whatever i saw an obituary this week maybe you saw it as well the the woman who died in uh, i don't know if she was in she moved to california but her um, two surviving children wrote an obituary and they ended it with this the world's a better place without her Whew. Now, they didn't like her, obviously. Uh, I guess she had run off on them. They, they put all that in there in the obituary and, and ended up dying. And the, world's a, the world is better off without her. You know, people will do some terrible things. Mothers and fathers will be terrible things to children. You know, we could go right down a list of things that happen. But, you know, for the Christian, there is no room to not love people. Uh, it's hard. But, and it can come through Christ. And so what Paul says here is that you may love, abound in love to one another. Now, that's, that's each other in the church, right? And some people are easy to love, some aren't, you know, even in the church. I know here, I, Al reminded me, we have a great church. We do, you know, and uh, you're, you're easy to love most of the time, right? And you might say the same thing. You might, he's easy to love most of the time, maybe. Don't talk to my wife, okay? But no. Uh, I, I tell you that because it's sometimes easy to love those that are in the same kind of group, right? Family or whatever else. But it's harder to love all. And that's what he says, and to all. That's outside as well. We talked about that last week about, in, I think it was in the book of Romans earlier in the week, but about charity. And that should be all, you know, in, in unity. It was a, a quote from Augustine. And uh, with one another, we should certainly, uh, you know, as Christians, be in unity. Where it's diverse, well, let it be diverse, but let it always be with charity, with love, is what he ends that with, even those outside that we don't agree with. Um, and it makes a big difference. And then lastly, there's a strength without flaws. That's verse 13. He says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So here Paul is saying this, that let your hearts be blameless. Now that's a harder thing than your, your testimony or your outward walk. Uh, we were talking about this this morning in our men's prayer time. And Vinny had brought a devotional and in that several points, but he had gone back to Abraham and Isaac and, and the action there in Genesis 22. And he takes him, his son, his only son, brings him up to Mount Moriah, and there he's going to kill him. And the actions are recorded there in Genesis. His heart attitude is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19, where God testifies of Abraham that he believed God and that he counted Isaac as one who was as good as dead, right? Or dead, you know, and that God could raise him back from the dead, even from the dead, it says. And, and I think of that because that's the heart that God was looking on. The servant who was there with Abraham, maybe down at the hill, bottom of the hill, he came and brought him out and says there was a servant there and all that. Um, they, they saw something different. They saw only action. They don't know what was going through Abraham's mind. But the Lord did. And you know what Paul says here? That he, that's God, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Mm. It's one thing to hold your tongue. It's another thing to, uh, to have an, a heart that's rotten. Right? And you want to say it. You want to get mad. And... Uh, and we talked about that too, didn't we, Vin? That was good this morning. You had a good, a good I remember things. That's good. But, uh, and you know where it's, we're to be blameless in holiness? Before our God. It's easier to be blameless before each other. I mean, really, it is. It's not easy. I didn't say that, but it's easier. All right? If you follow anybody around long enough, you will see them sin. You will see them say things they shouldn't say or do things they shouldn't do. And that is, uh, that is a reality. But, but holiness before God and blameless before God. You know, when I think of that, you know, the, the verse that's out here, or actually it's on Pastor Dick Goopel's uh, tombstone is what it is in the cemetery because I helped Ben there mow the cemetery. And it says, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, you, you know, quoting again from... Um, from Paul and and you know what we want that said at at the end of our life and it's easier for us to say that it's harder probably for God to say that isn't it and I want God to be able to say that on my you know at, at the end of my life whether anybody else knows it or not you know but let God say that and I say that because there are times where there are people who are very private they're not in ministry they are just serving the Lord somewhere uh, and there may be some prayer warrior somewhere that's just habitually getting down, praying, you know, morning and night or, or more often than that. And they do that as a faithful life. And maybe no one else ever takes note of them doing that. They might notice the a fruit of their life. Maybe not. Maybe it's 100 years later that it shows up. But God takes note of it. Hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Strengthen. And uh, the word established there means to strengthen. And it means to, to uh, 
Put something solid as a foundation, like a buttress, they would call it, you know, a cornerstone, a foundation stone. And if you have something solid to build on, everything else, you know, can be built, right? I mean, Christ used that analogy, remember, uh, in, uh, well, it's in Matthew here, but go one more here. He says this, Matthew 7, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and and great was its fall. You know, we live in a world where people build a lot of things on sand. For the Christian, we should know better. And we should build our house, certainly, on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? As the song says, we should do that. In doing that, He'll give us strength for the journey. He'll give us that strength to see us to completion. And He will establish us. And The important thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And part of the main thing is prayer. Don't throw that aside. Make sure that you you have a life of that. Uh, Without it, I think we we end up retiring way too soon as a Christian. Not talking about work, you know, the secular work. I'm talking about just retiring as a Christian. We say, I give up. Don't give up, okay? George Mueller Another one I use a lot of illustrations of his life. I don't think I've used this one before, though. He died in 1898 at age 92. And you know what? He said this right before he died, just shortly before it. He says, I have been able every day and all the day to work, and that with ease, as 70 years since. And he's talked for the last 70 years of his life. He said, I've been able to work and serve the Lord. Basically, it was the context of that. And it was interesting. That's exactly how he died. Wednesday, March 9th, 1898, he went to prayer meeting and he led prayer meeting that night. The next morning, somebody went to give him a cup of tea at 7 a.m. and they found him next to his bed and he was gone. Gone home to glory. You know, what a great way to go. With your boots on, so to speak. Well, may the Lord establish you. May the Lord keep you, right? May the Lord help us to pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we pray even tonight that, Lord, what what is done and said here this evening and in our prayer time to follow would be honoring to you. And, Lord, I pray you would help fill holes in our life, that you would help fill those holes of our faith. God, that you would also help us to love as only Christ can love. And Lord, as well, that you'd establish us, you'd strengthen us in areas so that, Lord, we would continue serving you however many days or hours we have. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.